this, I, I haven't done this setup with the the side by side view on here for a while. I did it with my sister last week, um, but I used to set up my GoPro so I would I'd look good in my recordings. So when I've eventually put it on YouTube, um, and then you, I just like set that up and it goes SIM card error, and you're like, good start. Isn't it? You know what? Fuck it. Just yeah, you wait till it, you record a decent podcast. It doesn't yeah. record. Doesn't save. Your heart just sinks. Like, I just give up and chuck my GoPro out the window. Or what? Yeah. Well, I did that. Started that with my jujitsu coach. We got about half an hour in. I looked to the right, and there's a big warning sign on the computer, like no memory left. Like, Fuck. Yeah, it does that. It's good fun. It's not though, is it? Do you know, like, I got a new new computer, and I think I filled it with footage and audio within like a year. Like, thousand gig or five hundred gigabytes just gone. Um, but you know, whatever. I just like offload it to the little. Little things makes you wonder, doesn't it? You know how, how some people do it, but they must have banks and banks of um, external hard drives. You kind of render in different quality as well. Sometimes you'll find yourself recording in 4K when you don't need 4K. Yeah, and that uses way too much space. And again, yeah. it's the files and again, other podcast terminology stuff. I don't really get. I just say it with confidence. Yeah. <laughs> see, well, the only thing I'm like noticing at a minute with you and your camera because I don't know if you can you you see you whilst you're doing this. Yeah, yeah, it keeps on yeah. focusing and then yeah, it keeps on trying to focus. No, bug me. Is it not like, is it because it's on autofocus? It must be, I'd imagine so. Because right now it's just like the, um, you know, when you turn a camera on, look through the lens, and that's yeah. it. It's not like um, propped on any other setting other than just having a camera on. Yeah. Must be just focusing on me if I move a little bit. Yeah. Can't do it when I try and do it. it just if I stay stagnant, <laughs> yeah. it just keeps whilst, doing whilst it. Whilst you're perfectly still, it doesn't like it. But when you start moving, it, it can cope perfectly well. There we are. <laughs> Every blink, got astigmatism or something. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. I tell you what. This um, let's get this going in, Dan. Um, my man. Welcome to my podcast, Dan Lester. Um, I was fortunate enough to come on your podcast last year when you fired it up. Was it last uh, year? Yeah, it would have been last um April, honestly. Last yeah. April. Last so by past past couple of years have just like vanished i don't know what one's what anymore last year kind of didn't exist so if it wasn't last year maybe it was the year before but um but yeah I, I don't know what happened to last year my memory of it is just kind of gone i spent so much time at home doing nothing um being furloughed and being ill yay Good um, <laughs> dan you are a uh an you still you should fight in amateur MMA, weren't it? Currently, my man, yep. So, yeah, you're an amateur MMA uh, fighter and jujitsu competitor. Currently, a purple belt. I'm um, you've got fights coming up. A I'm fight coming up. Oh, just the one for now. I see. See, gets Larry in the car park. We'll see what's going on. We never say never. <laughs> it seems hard enough to hold on to that that uh, that one fight in a minute, right? Look at me fucking start. No. This is this is the thing. So everyone listening, nature of events at the minute. As you'd imagine, COVID getting in the way. Okay, we finally get a date, July 3rd. Everything I've done leading up to that, because I've been training consistently since whenever, but for this camp, my camp started last, I want to say August. Yeah. I've been training consistently for ages. I got quite fat over lockdown, just a bit puppy fat and time off training and just enjoying myself really. Yeah. Like a big puffy 80 kilos of just biscuits, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so then staying in shape, staying strong with that, a lot more development stuff. And I got a date July 3rd. So I thought, okay, this is the day. Everything around that has been peaking for this time, weight cutting for this time, visualization and stuff, a lot of things around this specific date. This specific opponent, 
all the planning, all the reference points. I reckon I would have got this guy anyway, regardless of who I'd have matched up with next. Made sense. All leading up to it. The week I'm doing my water load. So I'm doing, so if anyone doesn't familiar with weight cutting, you do what's called a water load. Again, I do eight kilo, eight, so eight liters of water a day for X amount of days. And then I'll stop it. And then you dehydrate yourself again. Disclaimer, yeah. don't do it. You'd die. It's not safe yeah. unless you've got nutritionist <laughs> helping you. Starting that. So as you can imagine, person like a racehorse, stressed, depressed, always well-dressed. You know how it goes. Usual business as usual. Yeah. Um, not to mention, I did um, lose my job a month before this. Oh, shit. I got made redundant. So I was thinking, okay, full-time camp. We'll crack on. We'll give it a nice little spin to it. Why not? So I'm cracking on with this. I'm thinking, okay, this is the day. And after that, I've got stuff booked afterwards. I've got tattoos booked, things with the girlfriend, all this sort of stuff. I get a message from someone, from another coach from another gym saying, sorry to hear about your fight. I was like, uh, like what? I was like, nah, I guess I got a different, my mom was still going on, mine's fine. He sent me the big essays about how it's been cancelled because of COVID because initially it went from the usual fans, everything, to behind closed doors, skeleton stuff, so no music, no walk, all this sort of stuff. So I thought, okay, so it's already gone from the event it was going to be to a bit of a variant of that. So, okay, it's a new experience. Why not? Positive spin. Then the event gets cancelled. Okay, shit. It's been moved to... The event itself was cancelled. It's gone. So then they put us on another existing card further in the month, so July 24th, what it is now. Yeah. So everything's already pushed back, pushed back. Okay, everything I planned, I've got them pushed back. Weddings are booked, things, all this sort of stuff. Not made up mind just yet. I don't think yeah. I did. <laughs> so we're there. Okay, so now I've already mid weight cut, about to prepare to die to get the weight. So then, okay, it's been pushed back. And everyone's like, you got more time to prepare. So, well, I've been preparing for fucking ages. Sorry, I don't know if I could swear or not. I'm going to say anything. Go for it. You just get a little bit like, Ugh. the term I use is blue balls. It's like, yeah, I get more time to prepare, but I've already peaked yeah. mentally for a fight. I want to do. <clears throat> Not get it done, but yeah, that. Yeah. So pushing it back. And then the opponent pulls out week just weekend just gone. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. <sighs> now what? Because it's kind of bittersweet. Cause I was there like eating and stressing myself out about the weight. I was like, okay. Mm. Oh. Cause it's, it's very bittersweet when a fight gets cancelled. Cause it's like shit, I'm so anxious, I'm so keyed up. Yeah. The idea that the fight can finally be off is like a bit of relief. It is. And it's like, oh, now what? <laughs> So then, okay, get a replacement. But the replacement's a debut. Right. Now, a debut is a very, it's a dark horse. You never know if it's going to be an absolute world beer the next Khabib or just some bum who doesn't know what he signed up for. Yeah. Ideally hope for the latter. Might get the <laughs> former. But this is the nature of what this camp has been. Yeah. So in the most respectful way possible, the initial opponent I was given didn't intimidate me. So to get out of bed and train early for someone you're not afraid of doesn't make sense. You don't get yeah. afraid. But what I've always been doing outside of training, because I love it, is not preparing for my opponent, preparing for the young prospect who steps in last minute, who yeah. could step in at any point is what my wording was. I said that from the word go from like September. And the fact that it's kind of happened is a bit like eerie, but we we know that a little bit. So now we are literally a week out. And taking the guys to their weigh-ins today for the event tomorrow. Yeah. I really like it because there's a bit of um not necessarily one for visualization, but having fought last time round, I was familiar with the venue, it made it very refreshing, very comforting. Like I know where this is, I know what to expect, I yeah. know what the campus is gonna feel like, every little detail. So it's just the opponent is only variant there. And the whole thing is just a very different this experience. Because who I was in my last fight 
as a person, not just as a competitor, as a martial artist, whatever you want to call it, just everything's different. Like my reasons for being in there, I had a whole period during lockdown of what one evaluating what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and starting to come back to actually enjoy it. Like literally like people will ask me why I'm so happy. Like I'm just having fun with it. Yeah. I love this stuff. I need to remind myself that when I get stressed over it, like it's fun. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't train two, three times a day because I hate it. I don't do it because I have to, I don't have to do anything. No. I love it. It's fun. And this is what I'm going to do when I get in there. Like, yeah, it's going to be a fight. Yeah. I'm going to go into, you know, knock a man's head off and choke him unconscious all the rest of it. But you know, it's fun. Yeah. Like, I've been knocked out before. Give a shit. I woke up the next day. No, no one's any different. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's quite, I don't know, a bit sore subject for people with the Euros. The biggest thing at the moment, it's all coming home. Everyone and their mum's got an opinion. Everyone and their mum's a panelist and got a comment. And it goes wrong. They're all saying this, that, and the other, but they all got on with their lives. Yeah. yeah. So the sun rose the next day, but it's still raining, but you know, it's a business as usual. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just a very like, there's no worst case scenario. No. And that's the best part about it. I can't wait for it. Like, I don't know. It's a happy, it's a different variant of it. I love it. Absolutely yeah, see, I think like that aspect that like you're saying, like you know who your opponent is now. Yeah, but he's a debut. He's not got yeah, any yeah. footage on him. I don't know anything about him other than yeah. his name and his uns- uns- the uncertainty there must be kind of like bring that buzz up that little bit because mm. of that that level of uncertainty. I remember. Um, <laughs> it's <was>, um, <laughs> two thousand and eleven. Yeah, two thousand eleven. I was due to fight. No, in fact, I'm lying. 2010, I was due to fight. Um, and I think I got pushed off of that card at the Christmas. And um, it's like, it's too busy. It's too many people will put you on February. And I was like, I'm having a baby in January. Like, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be ready for a February fight after that. Like, that ain't mm. happening. So that didn't come around. And then I got back into training, I think, when my daughter was three months old. And uh, yeah, there was like, oh, you know, do you want to, f- do you want to fight? I was like, yeah, cool. Let's let's get this done. So, like you say, the whole extra training, weight cutting, all that jazz. I I was at a point where I think I was was cutting weight down to seventy six kilos, I think, which for me is like quite low. Um, and that was that was hard enough in in itself. Obviously, as you know, it like adds sort of stress, a bit of like you know lethargy and stuff to you. And I was doing a like fighters fitness session an hour long, just full beasting. And they go, oh yeah, you know, you do know it's uh, canceled, didn't you? And I was like, no. So yeah, the, the venue shut down. So it's all been moved to August. I was like, August. No. And I was just like, you know what? No, I can't, I just can't be bothered. You know, I've got, a, I've got a kid now. Yeah. We, we're in our house. We're all settled. This is just, I wanted to do this for an experience. I was never going to be a fighter. It's not, who I am, my my life is about experiencing. I've like I've always I've grown up doing martial arts and I and I love it. Uh, I always enjoyed the training aspects of MMA and the sparring and stuff like that. But I'm never going to be a competitor. That I don't have that mentality, if you know what I mean. Hmm. But I like to go through life and have an experiences. And when it fell through that second time, I was just like, you know what? I cannot be doing all this weight cutting, all this. Just nah, no thank you. I'm done with it. Um, so when you you like you make it obviously something that you you train for frequently, you've been obviously within martial arts and the jujitsu for you know quite a few years now, and you've been planning this fight and you, like you say it gets pushed back, and we sort of understand some of the reasons, and then the fighter pulls out. So how do you sort of 
how was your men- mental state at that point like when it when it sort of that first bit of news broke and you were right in the middle of that water load we haven't struck we haven't touched the surface of this so the camp has been way worse than what you described so let me talk you through this mm-hmm. so previously working full-time yeah and then on top of that trying to pt on like the other days here and there and then i'm training full-time so mornings working full day all the day training in the evening rinse and repeat all this kind of stuff so i get made redundant okay it's positive spin i've got more time to train i can have fun and after the fight i can look for something else and i'll crack on okay cool did more pts bit of gym politics and i can't pt now at the other gym and that's all this that and the other it's all very but gets very messy explaining it yeah so, so there's that so i've lost one job lost the other one sick nice one okay sick um the next to the podcast i don't want to push it too hard because it takes away the authenticity of it yeah so I'm like, okay, sick. I don't really want to do a lot of visiting and traveling whilst I'm in a fight camp. It's one or the other. Right now, like obviously, you can split things up. Like tonight, so after training, it's not in the way of anything. Yeah. But like, you know, okay, one thing at a time. So is that my family dog dies? Right. Which, which I was like, okay, that fucking broke me. So there's everything else. All this thing, I'm thinking, okay, shit, let's just one thing at a time. <laughs> one thing at a time. A car goes in the garage, X amount of bill for this. I'm like, okay, it's like a comedy of errors. Like, now what? I said to my missus, are you going to grow a cock or something? What, what's going to happen next? Like, let's just have one thing just stay. Yeah. And with the fight, it's like, there's always this moment of, I could pull out at any point, all this stress, all this grief, everything there is self-inflicted. Yeah. My weight cutting is a result of me choosing to fight in a division that I'll be competitive in. Yeah. I decide to get there because I know what it takes to get to that position and so on and so forth. These are all decisions I've made and these are all things I'm having the repercussions of. So the idea that this stress is in something that, I don't know, is me being hard done by seems a bit wrong to say. And on top of that, it's a lot more, I don't explain it. It's a bit, so on top of everything else, you want the easy way out. But the question is, why don't you? Why don't you just say, I've got an injury, I've, you know, lost my flux capacity, I need to take a day off or something, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Or whatever I've got booked. There's always excuses. People flake out to the extent there's rock a running joke that keep an eye on your nan on fight week because everyone seems to lose theirs when they've right. got a shot. There's always someone, oh, we've got a car accident or something else happens. Like, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, having the initial out of, okay, the fight's been cancelled. It's been moved to 24th. You still want it? So like, let's give me a minute. Like, I literally had a night off of it thinking, you know what? I'm going to eat all the shit food I've been craving. Just going to have a bit of comfort food. Just going to chill. Yeah. And just thinking, okay, now I've eaten, I feel shit. It's like, now what? It's just a bit like this nature of you're training for something. This is the difference between exercising and training. Yeah. Training is towards a goal. Exercising is the thing in, it, in its state. And then it's this idea that it's a goal. Why don't I want to do this fight? Why don't I want this? What is the things that put me off doing it? And if you articulate these things, there's really not a lot. Like, what if I lose this next fight and I go, I don't know, was it one and three or two, whatever it is? It's like, it doesn't make any, it doesn't really matter. It's not real. Yeah. What if I get hurt? It's like, I do a contact sport. It's kind of part of the thing you sign up for. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if this, what if that? So don't you just superb about it. Like, I'm not hoist Gracie, but, you know, put me in a position. I won't be too, like, scared about it. Yeah. Like, I've been knocked out before. So, you know, it's like, what am I actually scared of? And it's not really anything. It's just the um, just general ambiguity of it, the unknown, the so the idea of wanting out of that doesn't really make sense because there's a, a sort of phrase I've sort of come out with a little while ago, which I find very, very important, which I'm going to say once and say it again. 
Remember what you asked for and why you asked for it when you get it. And what that means is remember what it is you've asked for. Why did you want the fight? To test yourself, to be that man, to be the guy, to show up, to test everything, you know, develop yourself. When you get scared, everything else, remember why you wanted it. Yes, you knew this is part of the past. You talk about a fight retrospectively. You talk about jiu-jitsu comps, all these things you got nervous for beforehand. And as soon as it's done, you want to do it again. The idea that the fear of it would put you off and stop you, you should have really faced everything and rise, you know? Yeah. Hey. Little, you know? <laughs> but it's the whole, this whole idea that I compete because I hate it. Right. I compete because the ambiguity, the anxiety and everything else stresses me out and makes me want to quit, makes you want to do this. And then if I don't perform, it just kills me. Right. But th this is the point. You overcome that. You find out why. You find out things of dealing with it. I've started working with the English hypnotist, Richard Hart, to try to find different, sorry, to not to try to, to find other ways of dealing with emotions, feelings, and again, mindset. The hypnosis itself is quite interesting, but more just different ways of thinking it, a lot of different reading, people on the round, attitudes of things, asking different questions. And again, so a long answer to your short question of how did it affect mentally, it was a lot of up and downs. Yeah. And then the idea of, do I take this replacement fight at the weight above? Do I do all this, that, and the other? And initially, I wasn't going to take it, just the sort of thought, you know, fuck it, I'll just have it off. Like, no one at any point would say, oh, Dan, you, you should have done that, you should have done this. Some people would, but realistically, no one's really that bothered. Yeah. Because everyone kind of gets that, you know what, you got an out. I've always got an out, but I don't want an out. Yeah. And... The problem is you, I have a tendency of putting other people on the pedestal. I know nothing about this guy. So for me, I then said he could be this, could do that, could do that, could. Yeah, all the I know I've been training two, three times a day. I know the people I train with. I know what I do. If I was to research myself being someone else, I'd think, fucking hell, I'm in for a, a fight now. That's not yeah. an arrogant thing. That's just a realism of, okay, this is what I've physically done. Because when it comes to your own perspective of yourself of, okay, I've got these holes to fill, this level to get to, I'm not this, that, and the other. You need facts. Opinions change on emotions. Facts are facts. Whether it's raining, sleeting, or whatever else in between, it's facts are the facts. I know the hours I've put into this camp. I know the hours I've put into myself. I know the rounds I've been doing. I know what I have and haven't done. And realistically, this is an experience. This is an experience of fighting someone completely unknown with my skill set I've got. And seeing what happens. I don't know this guy. I don't know what level he is. I could go in there, get him out, sub him, um, knock him out in 30 seconds. Could go three rounds. He could sleep me straight away. And I know what I've signed up for. I know the risk I'm prepared to take. I'm prepared to take the consequences if it doesn't go my way. Yeah. I'm also prepared to celebrate when it does go my way. You know what I mean? Indeed. <laughs> like you say, you, you, it's, it's that difficult thing that you've put a lot of effort in, a lot of training, and to just then take that out, almost you know, just such a waste as well, isn't it? And, you know, to some extent, you might, this way, with this guy with his debut, get an even better fight than what you were originally going to have. It could be a greater show. You could be have more chance to display the skills that you've been working on. You know, as you say, you don't know what you're, what you're up against. Um, I know I used to train with say a lot of people whose debut amateur fights they sort of blitzed whoever was on the opposite side because uh, you know the team we worked with they wouldn't put anyone up for a fight until they knew they had a decent chance of competing at a decent level rather than mm -hmm. you get a lot of guys who are like yeah, I'm tough as shit like put me in 
fucking cage fighter, bro. And um, they get, a mentality, bro. Let me bang. Yeah, I bought the affliction t-shirt. I'm ready. To- oh. Go have the last gloves. I'm ready to scrap. Who wants? Yeah. Um, and you know, people just look like they come off the bloody sofa and haven't got a clue what they're doing. You know, um, I've seen some some terrible opposition fights at the at the amateur it's good, level. It's good fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's that aspect of it. Some of it is really good fun. We see like the the two. People you see nine there. minutes of terrible war work. It makes you want to just kill yourself because it's just so like, I don't know, just crude and rushed and emotional and just a bit like just, just chill a little bit. Maybe just disengage. Maybe try something different. Maybe don't just squeeze. I think the biggest problem is uh, so again, so many people are keen to have that experience, like the whole ultra MMA thing. Obviously, I ended up doing that a couple of years ago because I wanted mm. that experience. And for me, it was, it's more like, here's a reason for you to get back in shape. You know, they're going to give you eight weeks of free Higher training. Purpose. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I was out of shape and in a mess. And I know if I train for a fight, I need to lose weight and train hard because I need to be in shape so that I don't lose based on fitness. If I lose a fight based on skill, that's a different thing altogether. Um, but if if I lose because I didn't put in enough effort, that's you know that's a, that's that's a problem. That's on me. So it's like I got eight weeks, get in shape. I lost twelve and a half kilos, and you know it was probably the fittest I've been in freaking years. And yeah, I had a great time. It was a great event, and a lot of people changed their lifestyles having gone through those little projects because the training's provided for free. It's like well, you've got nothing to lose, kind of. You get eight weeks to get in shape and learn a new skill and then go and have some fun with it at, you know a black tie event which is all you know good and for cancer charities which is is great i know a lot of people look down on those events because it's deemed kind of uh dangerous for having all these uh newbies in there trying to wing each other's head, <laughs> heads off after eight weeks but um the positives i've seen from it is other people continuing their training and changing their lifestyles through it obviously some people don't they don't put a lot into it and they don't get a lot out but um, so let me give you a bit of a, I don't know, my thoughts on these ultra events in general. Uh-huh. I've done a couple of ultra white, bo- ultra white color boxing things. And again, there's yep. a place for it. So let me just clarify a few things. One thing you said there you were really proud of was the hours you put in, the timeline you had to do it and all these sort of things. There's not just the goal itself you're working towards. And the reason these events work so well is this specific thing I'm going to say now. The consequence if you don't. Yeah. It's if you run a marathon and you don't train for it, you'll get tired, you'll get upset, and you just might just quit. And that's it. Like it's a sting to the ego. You let people down, let yourself down, but that's it. In a fight, you get knocked out. <laughs> you get taken <laughs> yeah. down. Like yeah. regardless of letting people down, like that's the, that's a step before that anyway. You physically are in a cage with someone else, albeit yeah. not as skilled as whatever else, but they're still there to try and take your head off. Yeah. So the consequence keeps you there. It's like, shit, do I fancy this extra, this Mars bar? And I want to make, well, I want to be in shape for this guy. Otherwise, you know, if that's the thing that makes the, it's not really, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's not the beer and end, but it's not the point. Right. And on top of that, where I think a lot of critique comes from, regards of amateurs hurting each other, no one gives a shit. Where I think where people get frustrated, myself included, is the hours and time it's taken me to get to amateur standard. Yeah. Has been years. Some people do it in months. Some people do it quickly. Some people aren't that level. Some people, whatever else. The idea that you can do everything I've put all this time into 
in eight weeks is disrespectful. Oh, you definitely can't. <laughs> and this is what I mean. It's that like you set this sort of standard that you can just wing it. You can make it work. Like the boxing, I found it very useful for myself to have an experience of a ring walk of a fight when I wasn't ready for an MMA fight. Yeah. Came up short in those boxing matches. But again, it gave me that experience of one, setting a date, having a fight camp. Again, I was one of these who wanted the fight. Yeah. And I'll say something very clearly now, which is going to piss people off, but it's so true. Those ultra MMA fights aren't for charity, they're for your ego. Yeah. It's, 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 it's always that. Because like, yeah, you can raise money. That's definitely a thing you can justify it. But you want an MMA fight, but you don't want the time to put into it to get to an MMA fight at a level. You just want a quick fix, which is so, fine. Yeah, so, you know certainly to for. an extent, some, pe- some people do. Um, and that is definitely how some people take it. And you I get did. some some people in there who just want to let's say who've got some prior experience and maybe were never given the opportunity because they were again too egotistical or didn't train enough or whatever and they find this and they're going to get guaranteed a fight at the end of it you know i've definitely seen some who've come through it with experience you know i've had training experience i've trained for amateur level fights back in you know from 2008 ish onwards um but you know, I'd had a ten-year-plus gap or whatever. I'd stopped training. I wasn't doing any of it. Done some kickboxing, and boxing, whatever. Um, but for me, it was more. It was the experience. It's not an ego thing. I don't care win or lose. I just want. Mm. I wanted an experience that I didn't get to do when my kids were born. When I was due to do it first time round. Um, and you say, obviously, my my dad's got cancer. Me, mm. grand's had cancer. My sister's had. Just to sort of clarify, it's not the cause that is the issue. Yeah. It's more the, the majority of people there. Obviously, there are exceptions like yourself and others who do it for the cause. And again, it's, I'd say, for the cause in of itself is different. You put the money in whatever you're doing regardless. Get, name the event, you just do it for that cause. Yeah. But the majority of people who haven't got that prior experience, you see so many Jack the Lads who see these MMA for, oh, I could do that, I could do that, oh, why don't you do that? And yeah. I'll tell you the worst is people watching these events. Yeah. It's only people who are like, oh, I could have done that, I could do oh, I'd knock these people, they're so shit. Said, you haven't got the discipline, you haven't got the balls to face the anxiety and answer the questions you've got yeah. to answer, you haven't got it. Like, you can you can say what you like, words are easy. That's why I've there, got a podcast. There was an incredible uh, comment during during my my ultra MMA match fight whatever you want to call it scrap um scrap mess a disaster yeah um my opponent's friends were filming and like i took him down and the fella asked his mates oh is that a good thing for him yeah that's put him in a really good position but he's talking about his mate i'm like no i just put him on his heart i lifted him off the ground and smashed him in the ground he's that's not good for him at all. That's not good in any way, shape, or form. No, but it's like that's that's that like that minimal understanding thing of it again, and that's the majority of the crowd, I suppose, with with them events. Um, but anyway, we, we we're getting kind of away from um, well, we're getting deep into fighting, deep in, deep into all all this fighting. Like we, we'll come we'll come back to it in a minute. But I want to know about what about know about young Dan and what inspired Dan to want to start martial arts in the first place. Um, and yeah, so the reasons you got into it. So I'll give you a summary, then I'll give you a more detailed answer. The general sort of thing is I didn't really think to, I knew of MMA as just, it's just cage fighting and full stop. I didn't even think people trained for, I thought you just did it. 
Right. Again, I, I didn't give it any thought. Martial arts to me has always been like traditional, get your dressing gown on and do some like shapes and then go home. <laughs> Hit some balls and you're sweet. Yeah. But my brother went to an MMA gym in Bedford where I used to live and he'd do like the fitness classes. So then I joined that, get stuck in just a bit of fitness. Again, I was lanky, skinnier, smoking, not very athletic, not anything, not coordinated. And just got stuck in with that. And then one day I ended up getting late to one of those classes. The following one was an MMA session. Bought the gear at reception, got stuck in, didn't know what I was doing, didn't have my arm from elbow, and just sort of like stuck with it every now and then. The timetable was pretty intermittent. So I'd go every now and then, but obviously everywhere, MMA fight over the bio and everything, because people need to know what's going on. Of course. <laughs> um, and then progressively over time, just sort of taking it more seriously when the timetable was sort of suited a lot more, did it more frequently. And then just kind of, I don't know. MMA to me has always been a bit of an identity. That's what I yeah. needed for a long time, being very insecure, again, being where I struggle with is being a bit skinnier, not naturally good at anything. And then the idea of you hear someone's a fighter, you hear they're a boxer, you hear they're this, fuck, he's, oh, I just got respect him, you can't, you know. Because the nature of being weak and skinny, you sort of think, shit, now what can I do? Like the idea of some kind of, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What, what am I going to do about it? Not a lot. And you sort of want to build that kind of, you know, the humbling experience of jiu-jitsu that you get put in positions, you can't move, you get stuck, you get suffocated, you can't, you panic. Yep. And you think, you either do one or two things. You either think, I'm never doing that again, or you ask them how they did it to you. Yeah. And that's sort of the point. It's sort of like, okay, I got to a point in that shit. I can't let myself get in that position again. And it obviously happens every fucking like, every, every <laughs> five minutes, five, yeah. five fives or But <laughs> You kind of just get that kind of mindset of filling in these gaps in constant progression. Yeah. But ultimately it's identity. Like, okay, so, so then like, so being younger, did you feel, did you find yourself in positions where you had to think like, what are you, what, oh, not think, what am I going to do about it? Or is it just a mentality of thinking, what if forever? Combination no. of things really. Yeah. So not so much. I was bullied per se. Like again, if you ask for regards to being bullied it's a bit of banner I just took a bit too personally and I do mean that generally it's like it's just a bit like you know you know what banner is you know what bullying is they didn't get bullied yeah. but just being a bit of a it's a bit, a bit of a wet lettuce really on a lot of things like sports wise not being very athletic not feeling very manly and again you know the whole thing that was it biceps are for bros and not for hoes or something like this <laughs> the, whole, the whole concept that you think being bigger and muscular is going to be like make you attractive but again yeah. for me it was very much a self-worth thing of, okay, if I'm skinny, I'm in fear. I don't want to take my shirt off. I don't want to be that guy, but like being, having abs, being in shape gives you that kind of value. Yeah. Be more athletic, be more competent, being more, I don't know. You start to find more of a meaning with it. And throughout, like after leaving school, again, just being a bit of a, a lanky smoker bum, didn't we do a lot? And again, not so much the David Goggins kind of, getting after it mentality but again being more fitness orientated being more goal orientated and it's just one of those things that we're having an ongoing project that keeps on growing keeps on getting harder stays interesting and progressively you start to build up rapports and one thing that i found so invaluable which i just still quote to this day is feeling like i belong yeah that sense of feeling alone in a crowded room you're always going to be alone in the wrong rooms sort of thing. I always feel out of place in the room with the wrong people. And I'd have that for so long of just growing up with people being around. You think, you know what? 
I don't feel wanted, I don't feel welcome, I'm panic attack, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah. I don't feel settled. And then you go in an environment where everyone is either on the same wavelength as you, they've got similar things they're interested in. You've got one, you know, if nothing else, you've got one big thing in common, which is something very important to myself, is training. Yeah. And whether I want to be in the UFC and KFC or whatever else in between, it's like, I love training. I love yeah. the environment of getting stuck in. Like a lot of people with training going to the gym is like a chore. It's like mowing the grass. I fucking love this. Like even my worst days, I love them. I absolutely love it. See, there's, there's the thing, isn't it? Like with, with martial arts as a, a hobby or a lifestyle or whatever it is, there's that visible progression. Although mm-hmm. you don't necessarily see it as it's happening, it's when like the new guys come to the gym and you it's Superman. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and you, you can you can take over in like in ease, but because you're obviously all progressing at the same rate, you know, you might still fall behind the geezer who's now a brown belt, you know, because you're all elevating at the same time. You're all progressing, but it's not until those new guys come in and you go, actually, yes, I have learned some shit. Hmm. Go me. Um but yeah, that, that say the whole being in a room full of people you don't connect with is really fucking hard to deal with. Especially like you know, you know, when you're young and it's like, let's go clubbing, let's go to pub, let's go, and you're just in a room full of people who've got, you know, no shared interest. Like for me, I don't do football. Never, I haven't done football since secondary school. Fell out of love with that. Um, so then it was like all your mates kind of go to the pub for football or go to the pub to get drunk and then you're in a weird environment with just obnoxious people and they say you Mm. feel kind of out of place and i was always kind of useless with women um or women i wanted to make two of us with yeah i mean like i don't even know what it is if if i get to know women you won't shut me up i can i'll be as confident as you like but the introduction Mm. was always a problem so then you feel like very close to home very close to home that <laughs> like once you start it's fine but yeah. getting started oh yeah. that is i'd rather walk in the cage yeah 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 you yeah, <laughs> know I, I, i'd agree with you it's it's uh obviously i've, I've been in a relationship but hold on let me get this right before i completely cock this up <laughs> we can edit it it's all right 14 years uh 14 years and now, counting so, yeah 14 years um married for seven so it's how much you get for murder yeah, yeah not that much not that much uh well what if i murder her as well i mean like that's just you know double backing yourself really isn't it we're about to square <laughs> one but yeah back but, to you sorry back to your point before i went off and, um, my poor <laughs> but it, it was that like i used to go out with friends who were confident just among people in general let alone women and you would then just feel like everyone sort of gone off and left you and you're kind of just here lonely not knowing what to do with this situation feeling very insecure in myself um i think i possibly suffered with like body dysmorphia for quite a while mm-hmm. because i didn't really grow up physically till i was maybe 18 19 and i was scrawny at 18 19 or suddenly all the food and beer caught up with me and i filled out but before that i was so small that when i finally was big i still well, not, not that i'm big i'm five foot nine but i'm relatively broad um I still never saw myself as big. But you get these people going, fuck me, you've grown. Like, didn't, never noticed, you know. Um, So the confidence still never came with that growth until you say you get into a room full of like-minded people and share an experience day on, day in, day out, uh, and go to events with each other. And you share that 
that you know that the wins the loss and you know you're doing that together as a team and you, you can make friends with people who are so different to you outside of that gym you know you still get people who are like football fans or you know like to drink heavily or like to smoke heavily or whatever and there still necessarily wouldn't be people you'd make friends with but here you share this common goal and there's that there's always that um the challenge you're always in each other's face doing something where somebody's going to come out on on top in theory um, air quotes in here like for people, people who <laughs> there's are certainly a, a premise what you're saying there which i feel a lot of people we sort of resonate with and it's kind of the idea of being in the trenches obviously it's a very different thing but the idea that we're all part of the same struggle we've got our own versions of it we're all in different boats we're on the same storm though and through that camaraderie that sort of crisis you kind of learn to i know you build that camaraderie that's where it's different because again we've all had this sort of we've all had a shit day at work we all had you know stuff to do we all had like no time to do we're all knackered but we're all trying our best we're all putting it in we're all getting stuck into our extent yeah. some days more than others some people get more dominant rounds than others but ultimately you're all still there and there's something very important something very like encouraging whereas when you're in a sort of recreational kind of place like a pub or like a restaurant and stuff with all these new people strangers friends or whatever and you haven't really got i don't know not even because there's people I get on with who don't train, who don't even resonate with martial arts at all. Yeah. But it's people you just can connect with. But again, without any kind of reference points, any kind of shared interests, it's hard to even start the conversation going. Yeah. Having someone polar opposites, I don't know. There's not just it seems opposites attract. It seems like quite a tricky thing to start to emulate. Well, I don't know. It's a bit of a it's a funny one. And then when it comes to the pub conversation, like the rinse and repeat, my biggest like stress dream my worst nightmare is rinse and repeat comfort of pub in the evenings going out on the weekends and that's my yeah. life living for the weekend is the worst existence i could think of i mean everyone does what they do but there's a tim ferris thing i think it's tim ferris but the idea that it's so strange that we do 40 hours a week of work we don't like to need a weekend break to then yeah. need a holiday from it like what is that about why do you look forward? If you're looking forward to a Friday and dreading a Monday, you're in a bad job. You're in a wrong job. Yeah, I'm. I'm all. I'm all for that. I have not been. Well, again, I ended up in a job that I've now been doing for 16 years. You know what I mean? It's like it's a stopgap. Yeah, nah, no, family business. I got asked if I wanted to join and you know get up to management and all this jazz and. It's like, yeah, we'll do that. You know, good career, good money, seeing how the parents are living and thinking, you know, I'll have a bit of that. Um, but in reality now, I'm I'm in that job with a mortgage and a wife and the kids and I don't want to be doing this job. I'd love to be doing something else. For me, like I've mentioned it before, I missed out on doing things like drama and art at school, the things that I should have done, but I knew were going to be difficult and I didn't want to be at school, never mind putting effort in. So I chose the things I thought would be kind of be a breeze and a never mind. I should have done drama. I should have done art. I love the creative stuff. I enjoyed doing this, like talking absolute bollocks to people that I either do or don't know. Um, but I also enjoy making stupid videos. I would have loved to have got into acting. Well, originally I wanted to do stunt work, you know, um, hence my little friend here, Jackie Chan. Okay. Um, you know, I wanted to be a stunt performer as a kid. That was the only job I ever knew I wanted to do. Um, and I, I wish I didn't give a shit what people thought 
at the period of time that I wanted to do that, if you know what I mean. When I was a when I was a young teen and everyone judges you for everything, or felt like at least everyone was judging you for everything. Um, I didn't pursue my dreams, you know. And now I'm married with that mortgage and the house and kids and all that jazz. It's not really a reality for me anymore because I can't, I could go out five nights a week and train towards it and then work abroad three or four months of a year doing stunt work. But that's not the family lifestyle we have. So, you know, that dream is gone. But I, I get to do film work every now and then, which I really enjoy. So I should have done all the drama stuff and be doing that kind of job rather than hunting around buildings for asbestos all day long, um, which is something I do not enjoy whatsoever. But, you know, it, it's paying my mortgage and keeping me in the lifestyle that I've uh, become accustomed to. So, I mean, the nature of what you're saying there, though, is a tricky one. So the nature of where you were at school, like most people, myself included, people think there's a lack of caring. It's not. It's the confidence to overcome that concern, that anxiety and the rest of it. You believe in your dream more than you doubt you doubt it. And that yeah. sort of the noise is just a platform to express what that is. And then on top of that, where you're at now and where it's going to be, it's reevaluating what, not just what you want, what you think it's going to give you. Yeah. So I was reading um, Things Architecture of Happiness by Landa Baton. And it's a similar thing. It's something that really fucking resonated. And it's the whole thing that you think you want these things, but it's actually you think you want what that thing will give you. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's why you think you want that. So, for example, say you want a car. You want like a Lamborghini. Of course. Do you really want that? Or do you want to be perceived as someone who is successful? Because the yeah. interior of the car and the speed of it, you still got to go speed limit. still got to get there. Yeah. I can't imagine it's very comfortable to drive. But you want to be seen in a certain way. Yeah. Now, why do you want to be seen in a certain way? Because you don't want to be judged, be this side and the other. And there's the intrinsic problem. If you're more confident than that sort of area of things, people judging you, people being concerned with this, you can crack along in a fucking Vauxhall course and no problem. Might call it a non-special business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the premise being that the thing you want isn't necessarily what you want or even what you need because you haven't really given it that much thought behind it. Yeah. And the same reason, like, there's a premise with, how do I explain this? There's something I've found very... It's, it's cut a bit deep. It's a bit raw for a lot of people. So you ready for this? Okay. So when it comes to fighting and competing, yeah. it's, a, it's a very Bart Simpson thing in the sense of when Bart's at school, he doesn't give a shit. Doesn't try, doesn't get results, doesn't care because he didn't try. But when he needs to try to get a grade to get into Camp Krusty and he still fails, he's then devastated. The difference is when he decided, you know what, I reckon I could and then I did it and it didn't work out as devastating shattering a lot of people are in that similar boat they think all oh, the same with the white collar fights everything else if push comes to shove i could put that in and get the result what happens when you don't get the result and you did put everything you could in yeah. i've been you i can't tell you the amount of times i've been in tears after fights after events where i've just put everything, everything. in yeah everything i thought i could put in at that stage and come up short you tell me what to tell me at that? Ah, it's frozen. What is happening? God love technology. I don't know if you can hear me, Dan, but are you frozen? <laughs> you are committed to it. Oh, hello. You've can just you come. 
you've just come back in the room. You froze, you froze for the past like 30 seconds or so. And if you are, uh, you're still freezing. What is going on? What has happened? Are you back? Are you? It's still, I am, though. Still saying I've got no internet, apparently. You're still connecting. I don't know what the hell's happened. It's been perfectly fine. And then suddenly, vamoose. Still says I've got no signal, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> I may, okay, may have, may have uh, well, you're here and I'm here, so I assume we're... It says it's recording still, so I might do it in two, um, two parts. Have, That's what I did for mine before. It'll have to uh, be edited together, won't it, now? Yeah, it's not too bad. You sort of slot together, but just if it was what I was leaving off with yeah. was how when you put everything in one basket and being so committed to something... It's a very important thing to do, especially when it doesn't go well. But you experience what that's like. You feel that real sting. And being prepared for that to happen. Like, if you're one foot in and one foot out, you're not anywhere. No. And this is something, my analogy for all this sort of thing is box jumps. If I hesitate when I do the box jumps, I fall whilst I have a tit, I hurt myself, it's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> if I just do it two feet, I've never fallen. And I never will fall. Yeah, if you're, if you're committing to it, both feet in, it's going to be fine. Yeah, and even if it doesn't end up well, you still fall a lot better than you would if you do half half effort, one foot at the time. If that, yeah, it's a big difference. It's a very big difference. Yeah, I think again the whole like I don't know. It's difficult. Like I I no longer care about material things, and it was a lesson for me with um, within my family. Like I said before, and you know having a wealthy lifestyle. Me sort of seeing part of that and thinking, right, you know, you're at a level now. Why, why is there again? This is an outside perspective due to you know, since conversations after this mental sort of vision, I've learned otherwise. But the mental vision was you still don't appear to be happy, but you've got all this shit that a lot of people strive for, but it still doesn't seem to be happiness. So that took me away from the like the the materialistic thing. I'd love to drive a Lamborghini on the weekend, but I don't think I'd necessarily like to own one, but it was that boyhood dream car, you know? Um, my granddad took me to Brands Hatch for the first time ever as a kid, and he bought me a die-cast model of a Diablo SV, and then that was that. That was my, my car, you know? I want mm. one of these. Um, but yeah, the materialistic aspect of it now is is not necessarily, is not there. I like to have stuff that are efficient and work and that are, you know, the whole don't buy cheap, buy twice thing. Yeah. Or buy cheap, buy twice, don't. Buy nice or don't buy it twice. Yeah. You know, I, I very much live by that. We made that mistake so many times. We're like, oh, oh, we'll do with that one. And then you have to replace it in two years' time because it's shit. And then you have to buy the more expensive one because you know it's going to last longer. But now you've spent, you know, an extra third of the amount of the one you should have bought in the first place. Yeah, things like that. But, um, but yeah, no, I, you know, I don't know if doing stunt work would have got me the the feeling that I want. Um, you, again, you're never going to know till you try it. But now it's like I'm doing the job I am doing. I know I don't like that. <laughs> I know I don't want to be doing that. But again, it's, it's difficult to say with the mortgage and the kids and that to jump out and start from scratch in, in anything else. Out. Yeah. But, but you know... Um, there's a few things. Sorry, I keep some cutting out on me to interrupt you. There's a few things. There's one thing about material possessions and the concepts of this. Happy by Darren Brown is absolutely game-changing. Yeah. Fantastic book. And a sentiment in that, which is quite eerie, which is 
the gap between being broke and needing money to having what you need is a big relief. It feels very refreshing. It's a very positive feeling. Yeah. However, from having what you need to having more is nowhere near that same kind of difference. It's not yeah. the same amount. It's very much a sort of a little flash in the pan. It's a very fickle thing. And the amount of times you have to be reminded to remember what you've got is what you one day wanted. Like a few X amount of years ago, you'd have killed for what you've got now. And I'll tell you that, like I work in full time to them being, having all the time to train, living the lifestyle you'd want. Yeah. Like I feel like a, you know, John Travolta and Pulp Fiction, where you're just like yep. looking around like a gormless. Yeah. Like now <laughs> yeah, what? yeah. I hate it. I feel like a loser. I feel like a bum. I hate it so much. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's efficient. Yeah. It's all this, that and the other, but I, I'm used to always being nonstop. So whenever I get to stop, I hate it. Yeah. But again, you, there's always what you'd want and what you think you'd want, all these kind of things. And it keeps on expanding, expanding, expanding. And it's a very tricky thing to remember. And having come from a wealthy background myself, uh, it's been such a thing from all of us in the world go to make sure we earn everything we've got. Yeah. Like I pride myself on having my little flat in Northampton on my own, paying for out of my money I've earned from working more than anything in the world. People are like, why don't you just live off mum? They want you to do that. So I would think of nothing worse than sponging, being a bum, being a loser. Yeah. Not for them, not for anyone else but myself. I can't sit with myself because this is something, if no one takes anything but this, is an Aristotle quote. I love it. I love it. I love it. Ready? Where? Oh, don't. Fuck me. This computer, I'll tell you what. There must be a storm brewing or something. Sake. Fucking take recording in progress. Just recording. stay recording. Keep the it does put in. you off a little bit when you hear that because I started doing that. I was like, Do I start now? Do I leave it to finish? What, what do I do? Um, so where were we before it cut out last? You're, you... you're about to quote Aristotle, I do believe. Fantastic. Well, what a what start that is. So wherever you go, you will always be. The voice inside your head is essentially like a separate entity. And the idea that who you, how you treat yourself is so important. And the idea that everything you do has to follow your moral compass and make sure you do what is right by yourself. Because you've got to hear about it. And I reflect that on a lot of different things. Mainly the yeah. internal voice. How do you talk to yourself? Is it, fuck's sake, Chris, you're an idiot. You didn't do that right. Oh, you're an idiot. You didn't do that. Oh, you're so shit. You... It's very tempting to get in that habit. And you're like, yeah. no, let's just... Because you can get all these variants of the same kind of quote. It's like the... um. Don't speak down of yourself. The warrior hears it, all this sort of stuff. It's all a kind of idea that you start believing in the things you tell yourself. We live, was it we live the stories we tell ourselves? I think that's Carl Jung. Like the same, that. same kind of ideas that yeah. this premise that the language we use can reflect and expand and create these ideas. Yeah. And we start living by them. We start believing these as truths. And it's just, it's more the point around doing what's right by yourself. And I'm not sure what the point we were alluding to before that, because I've sort of lost train with the it's, recording crashes. Yeah, yeah it's it, went went to uh, went to urinate, and your whole memory just went with it. The water only takes yeah. a lot out of you in every sense of the word. <laughs> but yes, back to yeah, the no, task. You're just talk, talking about same material things and having an you know. Uh, oh like yes, a, that's an the idea that you know, sort of person you want to hmm. be and the things you want to have, and not yeah, you know, but not really knowing who you are and what you want. Really? So on the same point of that, then, okay, I know where I'm at now. I can get a bit of a reference point from here. So 
throughout learning, obviously I want to relate jiu-jitsu to a lot of things just because, you know, it's the rules. And did I tell you I'm a purple belt? Why not I tell everyone again? Fuck it. <laughs> I've played play for this for six years. I'm going to let everyone know about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you start learning throughout your journey or sport um, in different ways. You get different reference points. You see the same things differently as you start to progress. Yeah. And one thing, and John Downer talks about this a lot, is about principles and rules of thumb opposed to set in stone details. And it's definitely something I found quite useful, especially with all these quotes you see me post and things I read and stuff like that. And what I mean by that is using it as reference points. How do I guide what I do? How do I manage these things? Because there's no deliberate right or wrong in a lot of things. Is it right to chase material things if it gets you further things by a byproduct? Is it wrong chasing something so single-mindedly if you sacrifice other things or is it important to have that sort of thing they're not defaultly right or wrong but the learning along the way is where you get the actual development and the same points a lot of this stuff like where you go you're always wherever you go you will always be as a concept i love it because i know whatever i do i need to make sure i do it confidently i need to make sure i encourage myself to do things and to understand what is going on and is it in line with moral compass because then you talk about what we said about earlier about the pubs and going out with people and feeling out of place. Says, do I want to feel out of place? Do I want to go to where places are? I'm not going to grow from this because we're all happy to go through discomfort with the idea that we're going to grow from it. Yeah. But there's a difference between lifting heavy weights, getting doms and growing bigger to lifting wrong and injuring yourself. Big difference. Big difference. Discomfort and pain are two different things. Yeah. They're not the same thing. Everyone will rave about David Goggins running with blistered feet for ages, but don't talk about how long he was spent afterwards, injured, fatigued, everything else. They don't talk about that. No. I don't know. He's, he's hard as nails. He's also a fucking nutcase, which your point. He's an abusive dad and a bad upbringing. Yeah. Like, which one? Mm, would you want that to be the Marine he is? Oh, God, no. Fuck that. that. That's the thing, isn't it? The, the other side of the stories that people don't know about, the, you know, the things they've had to go through to get to where they are like. Like with um, like a lot of comedians say, a lot of them have been through some sort of fuckery in the past, in their you know, in their home, in their life, in their mental state or whatever to create who they are. You know, the, uh, I'm still adamant that a lot of creativity is born through pain. Um, you know, either having to be be by yourself and create your own worlds with imagination because you know you are alone or you make yourself alone or you feel alone you know and having to you know just draw or write or think and imagine um but yeah you speak a lot of creatives a lot of creatives have come through some sort of struggles even mentally or physically or whatever to to sort of unleash who they are um i think it was again like joe rogan i think you said um, Christ, who was it? Uh, Roseanne, Roseanne Barr, who you know became who she was, like, or the comedian, what after a brain injury, or she became like the, the version she is now after a brain injury or something, and completely changed who she was. Some of the um, few people like that. There's an element of um, it takes a spark to make a fire, yeah, and this whole thing that you there's a number of different things with this again, about going on a massive tangent, it's the whole concept of what how you deal with the stimulus you hear things of jordan peterson and stuff like your dad was an alcoholic ergo you become an alcoholic makes sense no one's going to blame you for that or your dad was an alcoholic so you never drank 
and no one's going to blame you for that. It's how you react to the stimulus and how your things can affect yourself and how you can then transition this. So prime example, depression, anxiety, and everything else I've got, why not? My depression and anxiety, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's powerful. I think it's important. I feel it's more... Johan Hari, Lost Connections, game-changing book. And this is something I found so useful that your mental health is warning signs, warning lights on a car. If there's a problem with your check engine light, it's not the symptoms thing. You put a sticker over it because the light's flashing. You check the engine. You don't get rid of the light. You find out what's causing this. And the idea that your actions and reactions are what's causing your... Outside of the chemical imbalances, a lot of it comes down to your actions and your world and your environment. And you realize this quite a lot, even subconsciously, because you know what you're anxious about most of the time. Yeah, You can articulate it to an extent. You can express an element of why you feel depressed. Why is it? How do I go into this about too much specifics? Um, more so that gray, that grayness, the indifference, the lack of meaning, lack of this, that, and the other. Because you hear a lot of people say jiu-jitsu saved my life and all those kind of concepts. And the reason why it's true and why it's not is because it's a purpose, it's a concept, it's a platform. It's something where you can be accountable for. You're now on a journey. You're not doing nothing now. You're not now progressing to get to a black belt level. You're progressing to progress. You're building a camaraderie. You're testing yourself, your son and so forth. You can't top yourself because tomorrow you've got to get after it, whatever that means. Yeah. And rinse and repeat. But also fill in the gap. It's um, an area where you can test yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, your camaraderie, you've got people, they've got hierarchy, all these different attributes that make jiu-jitsu what it is. Like the reason I say it like this very flippantly is because it's 2021. You haven't got to fight if you don't want to. A lot of people live a life without having to fight. It's not like hunting people and eating things. It's like, you know, you yeah. go to Aston and buy your dinner. You don't have to yeah. Yeah. kill anyone for it. This is all by choice, which is why whenever I say about being an MMA fighter, I try to caveat it. I don't like calling myself a fighter, call myself an athlete, all these things, because I find it very pretentious. I find it very fickle, very much like I'm not really a fighter. I'm a sportsman. I compete yeah. in a sport. But even then, like if I have this next fight and then I never fight again, am I still an MMA fighter? And then if I eventually have a fight later on, in that gap between, was I still in the MOFA? I think in the whole titles and this whole Aristotle thing anyway. But more so, it's titles are very, very tempting. Yeah. Very tempting to have this game of, oh, I'm so-and-so. Like, who am I? Am I a podcast host? Am I a MOFA? Am I a terrible Warzone player? Yes, to all those things. <laughs> but yeah. ultimately, I'm Dan. And this is something that has been the biggest thing since... And the podcast and things in general, basically the first lockdown to where I am now. I am none of those titles. I am Dan, first yeah. and foremost. I have interests, passions, hobbies that include those things. But first and foremost, I am me. I'm confident in my skin. I am who I am. I'll do other things. I'll pursue things. I'll commit to things. But ultimately, I am me. The titles don't define me. I define the titles. And I'm, I need to stand by and be confident with that. And this is the thing, when I say about this very deliberately, I have a fight camp, I have a fight preparation. This is fight is what I'm prioritizing. Yeah. I explained to my girlfriend when it came to our first date about how I'm going to prioritize and be able to make time for to make it work. Because on paper, you think, okay, so you're working full-time, you're building a business and a podcast, you're training full-time. Where am I going to fit in this? It's a very reasonable question. 
and it's like a pie chart. I have slot sections of what I do, but when I do that, I am laser focused on this yeah. conversation now with you. Yes, I've got a fight next week. Yes, I've got a girlfriend. Yes, I've got this going on with other areas of needing attention. We'll call it stress, but other areas of focus. Yeah. But right now, in this hour and a bit, me and you is all what's going on right now. There's nothing else right now. It's a, this is another like rule of thumb, which is you can do everything, but not you can do anything, but not everything. Yeah. And it, I used to be so bad for it. Spread yourself so thin to try to please everyone, do everything. I'm in a fight camp. I'm not doing podcasts every two minutes. Yeah. I'm not doing PT sessions every two seconds. I'm not working here, there, and everywhere. I'm not going off on holidays. I'm not getting any more tattoos done. It's <laughs> this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Training outside of camp, do what you want. But fight camp priorities, I need to peak for this time. I need to stay sharp. I need to keep my weight down. All these things. Yeah. So but you at the beginning of all of this, you, you mentioned obviously like uh, depression and anxiety. What, what how, how is then you use your depression then as your fuel to do what you Like you, you say it's a good thing for you to be depressed. A fuel is the wrong word. It's a reference point. It's an yeah. alarm bell. It's a question point. It's okay. Why do I feel this absence? Why do I feel this indifference? Why do I feel this grayness? Why don't I care? Why do I feel that? And you can answer it. You need to answer it. And the answers normally end up being, currently I'm not pursuing a goal. Currently I'm a bit of at an end. Yeah. Because one thing you notice with depression is you can't conceptualize a future. Like, I had a conversation with my girlfriend the other day when it came to like, where do I see myself in the future? I was like, I don't know. Because from a quite morbid point of view, you know, I've had many a time where it's like, kind of written off but that kind of i found it a very liberated kind of feeling of because i've always had these sort of spells of okay you never know how i'm gonna feel what's my sort of you know it's quite liberating yeah it doesn't really matter my this is a very strange thing i feel a lot of people with who experience depression will appreciate this and anyone does will think i'm a fucking nutcase <laughs> which is every time i've ever thought about i'm not gonna say it out loud but you know I think as that as a checkpoint, and from that point onwards, is like downloadable content like a game. It's like everything else is free. And on top of that, it's like, okay, now I didn't, I wouldn't have got this. Yeah. So, so I get to have it. And like, it's like that. It's like, I haven't planned the future. I ain't got that far. I ain't got past 12 at this point. So now I'm 26. It's like, fucking hell, I'm, I'm living life. I don't yeah. give a shit. It's, like, it's quite liberating, really. So what would you not got past 12 for? What was going on at 12 years old? I was just starting school being a bit, the same kind of thing I'm articulating anyway. It's not fitting in, not seeing a future and starting to feel in the first sort of spells of depression of like, you know what? What am I doing this for? I don't have any strong passions. I haven't got any strong kind of drives. I don't really have a career that I aspire towards. I don't really want anything. Yeah. And then you think, oh, I guess I just don't really want to be here. And it's more... That kind of thought process has been more of a control or delete kind of, I don't know what to do. I'm stressing out. I'm just panicking. And like when you're playing a game, you're getting frustrated. You just turn it off and yeah. plug it. And that's kind of my rule of thumb sort of thing when it came to that kind of feeling of not fitting in, not being wanted, not knowing where to go, not you know, who I am, who I'm going to be, who I want to be. And then it's just like, fuck it. Let's just call it a day. Stop it. And that's a 12. And yeah. like progressively, it's been a thing ongoing. 
I'm just fitting in, not fitting in, thinking I've got it figured out, then realizing shit I haven't. Yeah. And then rebuilding, which in of itself, you can't see the size of the storm when you're in the eye of the storm. But on the outside in, I talk about this very flippantly, and I mean it very flippantly. When you're at school, you're 12. Everything's fucking massive. You break up with a girl you say hello to in the morning. You're like, fucking hell, my love, my life's gone. Yeah, like, yeah. You just said all right in the mornings. It's not like, you know, you were like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, these things are very big at the moment in time. Like, my debut was the biggest fight of my life. This is like, yeah. I could die. It's like, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was sick. I had fun, but like, you know, it was, it was all right. <laughs> I got knocked out and left in a fight. Like, fuck. What happened? I was like, I'll tell you what, getting knocked out of a fight was such a funny experience because everyone thinks it's going to be so horrible, so morbid. Like, as far as I was concerned, I'm still in that fight. Yeah. It's like, look, lights went off. I'm like, okay. All right. Wouldn't run two. I'm good. I'm sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it's kicking the balls before that really hurt me. I got caught sweet. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. You look back on these things, like, these things are so huge. They're massive. They're the biggest thing ever. You don't know what I'm going yeah. through. Anyone who's appreciated this, anyone who's had a fight booked and had a fight followed through, any plan after the fight when you're in that camp is like, I've got my marching orders. I can't. Any time after July 24th, you might as well write it off now because I've got, I'm off. That's it, that's me done. I'm going to die in that cage, apparently, yeah. according to me. Like, no, yeah. I'm not. You're right. So, you say it's just obviously, as I like said, being young and that whole not fitting in, uh, being anxious. Do you, do you find any of that is um, sort of led, you say, come from like a wealthy background? Do you think you were ever kind of judged for that or? in your own head would be judged for that, your appearance. Yes and no. Like it wasn't like, never been very materialistic in that sense. And initially going to like, like private schools and stuff, you're kind of surrounded by people in a similar boat. Like it's okay. kind of stone your glass houses sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But again, there's always the outliers with you know, people who are the higher end of the spectrums and stuff. But ultimately there's always been the air of overcompensation of, okay, I need to work that bit harder to make sure I know I've earned it. Yeah. I need to make sure I've, because my parents have been very good with making sure we've all grown up very grateful for what we've got, very value orientated for things we've got. None of us are flashy. None of us are vulgar with anything. We're all less is more as a result. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. You know, the whole memes about guys' apartments are like a deck chair and like maybe a table on the floor. And it's like, that is me. That's more than yeah. enough. That's excess in my world. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm dealing with this a little bit. Well, I say every now and then over time, the wife like, ah, oh, you know, what, what wallpaper should we have? I'm like, there's wallpaper? Just give a shit. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, it's not come that way. It's like, oh, that's right. What colour is it? Right? Should we have this blue feather star wallpaper what in blue? the bedroom? Like, what blue is it? Some... I don't care. I just don't care. Like, I go to work all day and I come home to eat and sleep. I really don't care. As long as the house works you know, and it's, we're not living in a pigsty, you know, then I do not care. Literally. Uh, what was, what you know, what, what kind of carpet do you want? Uh, make you feel nice. Like other than that, I couldn't care less. Um, you know, it, it's just, a, it's a home. I don't really give a shit, but, um, you know, I was going to deal with that over many, many years now, you know, uh, with a house and owning your house and living with your spouse or whatever. Um, you know, she'll have an idea of how things want to look and I'm supposed to have an idea and an input um, but I struggle I struggle with that so I, I really really don't care what wallpaper we have I'm not a clue 
But this is the whole thing. I always get the last word in the house. Yes, dear. That's yeah. the thing. You start getting a bit of a... I don't know. There's things you give value to in it. Some people really care about that sort of stuff. It's, like, it's not on the radar. Yeah. And like going to like school and stuff, it was more just... People kind of identify themselves at certain stages. And I've always been between different areas of things. It's like... I like some sports, also like my music, also like chess, also like this, like that and the other, but not fully in anything. Yeah. So it'd always be a bit like jack of all trades, master of none, but not to a, a certain standard. Yeah. And it's just a bit like, I don't know, lack of confidence in certain things like my jiu-jitsu competitions from white belt up to like blue belt, or at least early blue belt, were a mess. Yeah. Purely because I didn't believe myself. Right. Don't get me wrong, I'm not exactly hold you Gracie, but like I wasn't as shit as I looked every time I performed. I'd show up, get my guard passed straight away, get submitted because I didn't want to be there. Right. And then yeah. feel just miserable and then have like good rounds in the gym afterwards. I mean, what is this? Who am yeah. I? Like I'm not expecting to like get gold every time, but there are many tournaments I should I should have won. Yeah. I was able to win, but I didn't show up. I didn't yeah. show up. Mine and- mine is that like, my last one, the first as a blue belt was coming in at a weight heavier than I wanted to be at. I think, I can't remember why it was so early and why I was so overweight. I can't remember. Oh, I think I was injured. I was injured end end of 2019. So when it sort of was back to training and want to get a comp, I just got my blue belt actually in the December and I booked a February competition. But I want to know, I want to more so know where I'm at, what I'm facing in the future, if you know what I mean. I kind of had my idea that I'd sort of sussed the idea of white belt competing. Like, don't stand around and like hand fight for five fucking minutes, you know, mm. just fucking get them first points and let's go. And Blue Bell was like, I need to see where I'm at. And I think I kind of ripped myself off before I even got there. You know, I'm not at the right weight I want to be at. I've got this calf injury going on. I've just recovered from this. I've only just got my Blue Belt. So I kind of ripped myself off before I even got there, I had, I think, a few good matches. I didn't I didn't win anything. I came home with a bronze medal, you know, participation trophy. Um, Just for showing up. Yeah. Um, but I had good matches, if you know what I mean. Nothing was like a... It wasn't one-sided, yeah. No, nah, well, I think maybe my last gi match was a bit shit. But I think for both of our parts, really, it was just a bit lackluster watching it back. Um, and I was just knackered by that point. <laughs> Part of that not being at the right weight uh, or the right fitness level, to be honest. Um, what well, is funny though, when you get like the belts, like the stripes and stuff, it's like you think, like, oh my god, the next belt or the next stripe is so advanced. It's really not that much different. No, no. <laughs> but the difference between the beginning levels of blue belt and you know someone on the end of their blue belt is massive. <laughs> like mm. the 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 uh, couple of like three stripe blue belts who've got their blue belts faded as all hell, almost might as well be right out. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, and I'm. Mine, mine still won't go still floppy. Fixed. Still rock Rigid. hard, you know. And I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna compete all right with these guys. And just, oh, no, didn't, didn't, didn't go that way at all. Um, but you know, we're back to training now, and we got got some things booked. Uh, just gotta shake, get my mindset in in place, and get back to it. You know. Um, but yeah, all right, yeah, I I enjoy I enjoy competing, but I'm more so that. You know, you get so used to your training partners. Um, I think, you know, you get used to their style and what they can offer and how you can defeat them. And if you don't get out of that 
that comfort zone. You don't ever see where you need to like really, really, really improve. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good for me just as a, uh, what do they call it? Fucking, I can't think of the word now. There's a word. There's a word. Experience. You know, you're like a test. What is it? It's like a patch testing. I want to say patch test is a word my wife used for doing. Oh, that. like a sort of um, what's a sciencey one? Go on, you know, pH sort of scale sort of thing. So that thing. What do they call that? A pH scale. Sort of like, pH scale. Yeah, something like that. Litmus test. That's the one. That's <laughs> Litmus science. Test. <laughs> science, bro. Science, bitch. Um, yeah, yeah. That's science, bitch. But yeah, yeah, like that. It just it shows you where you're at and what you got to work on. Um, but yeah, you know. Um, trial by fire. Fucking, you are trial by fire. Exactly that. Um, but you, you assume you, you're not planning com- competitions or anything for yourself at the minute because you say so you're focused on the fight right now. Yeah, ideally, this is the thing. Like, as soon as this fight's done, it's going to be when's the next one? When's the next one? Right now, it's like, is it over and done yet? <laughs> yeah, it's still going to be fun. But like, ideally, after this fight, it's damage assessment. See where I'm at. See, because obviously now going up a weight. The weight cut won't be as draining. Yeah. So it might be a faster turnaround. Because I did like to fight lightweight going forward. Yeah. Put more size on, fill out a bit more. Because I could make the frame realistically, but size and strength, I'd like to make sure I fill that gap in a bit more. But as always, I don't know. You, you get a mix. Obviously, at amateur level, you wouldn't expect a lot of weight cutting, but the people who want to go pro with it are weight cutting now. Yeah. And this is what amateur is for me. For amateur, for a lot of people, is that is their fight career. For me, it's testing points for pro. I want to take this seriously, as to say. With my general mindset with training and competing right now, it's I want to go as far as I can go. And the way I get there is incremental growth, every single fight, every single everything. It's I don't want UFC next. I want a tougher fight next, a tougher yeah. fight next, a tough, progressively, progressively going up. If I go from here to up to there, big step for people listening only, I'm going to fall over. I could get it, but I'll be not at the level I I show to be. Whereas if I'm progressing consistently, I'm I'm growing and I'm developing. Yeah. Because you know full well you can get the people who are inexperienced but athletic and a bit quick, and they might catch a higher belt in a sub. You're yeah. not on their level. You just call them out. Yeah. Big difference. I wouldn't want to catch out the black belt on an off chance and get squished for the rest of the round. I want to murder the fucking purple and brown belts consistently. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy who gets the old fancy sub of the world bendy one. Like, no, give a shit. What is that for? <laughs> inconsistent. I want to be the one squishing everyone. Yeah. And it's not going to be overnight and it's not going to be consistent, but it's going to be something I'm going to work towards and just keep progressing. Like, literally, everything I do is incremental growth. Yeah. Every session I'm doing, whether it's drills, I'm doing to a higher standard, to higher fluidity, whether it's sparring to try and make more. Make more mistakes, try new stuff, try new things. Again, just getting stuck in. And if it's pads, it's trying to hit harder, more conviction, more confidence, making sure I don't hold back, and little things like that. Yeah. Everything is in its infancy and everything's still growing. I'm in a rush to go pro, but it's in my own crosshairs. So a lot a fair few fights I assume. Well, yeah, a few fights are assumed to get to that. I'll have a six um, or seven easily, but as I yeah. say, it's definitely on the radar. Yeah, cool. It's cool to have some some goals to work towards. Um, say so it's n- never anything I'd get get into. Certainly not now that I'll be thirty seven this year. Let's go. Let's go pro MMA. Like, you haven't <laughs> haven't trained it in years, but fuck it. Let's go. 
um, you know, go and get my ass beat for. A, I, I once said to my wife, like, hey, should I just like take up boxing for a little while and take a few fights and get a bit of money and then just stop? She's like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a really bad idea. Bit of money is the key word there. The yeah, bit. Bit, yeah, bit of money. And it will be, wouldn't it? You know, for the first, I think, again, it's that perspective, isn't it? Yeah, pocket money. You see, you see the top, you always see top tier and top tier earnings. You think, yeah, I could do that. But that top tier earnings has been doing this for the past 20 years, you know, day in, day out, with the best coaches, the best nutrition, the best this, that, and the other. And they're, they're earning that money for a reason. Um, but it's the same, isn't it, with singers, actors, you see the top flight. You don't see all the people who work for free for a month on end, you know, um, just to start getting out there and doing that for three years. Um, it takes say? a lot of people 10 years to be an overnight success. Exactly that. Uh, but I think that's that there is that mental perception, is it? Oh, well, they fucking did it. Um, and I, I, I had that a little while uh, with the clothing, clothing business when I wanted to start that a few years ago. Um, noticing the company Hobo Jack, uh, you know, it mm. went from a shed to selling 100,000 T-shirts and, you know, there's big people. So, well, they can fucking do it. Um, anyone can do it. But it's not, it's not again, that easy. You don't obviously see that work that they put in whilst they were in the shed. Um, All you see is the finished product. And that's what people, that's why, I get, yeah. that's why I get so fucked off with people with anything. Clothing's a prime example. You think, okay, here is the shirt. You sell the shirt for this amount and they buy it and you make that much profit. People see gross and think it's net. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And that's with everything. Actually, I want to use that. I quite like that shit. People see gross and think it's net with everything. They see the fight. They say, okay, you fought three, three minute rounds. What are you tired for? I could run for X amount of time and I'm not tired. Fan fucking tastic. Yeah. <laughs> but the three threes is the fun bit. That's the fight. But can you do the 5.30 get-ups to get to Adam Sessions four or five times a week and then yeah. do a full-time job and then train in the evening and then critique yourself on top of that and on top of that, watch your food and on top of that, make life arrangements for life admin stuff yeah. and on top of that, deal with any stress and on top of that, deal with pull-outs on top of that, manage your weight on top of that, everything else in between and so on and so on and so forth. Not so manager matter because again, it's self-inflicted, but again, can you do all that stuff? Yeah. But that's just a camp. Can you build that foundation to get you to that level? Can you take the beatings? Can you take the taps constantly? Can you take the frustrations? Can you make the sacrifices? Can you get fucking cauliflower ears that hurt and sting? Can you no, deal with no, shit? I can't. I'm not having none of it. This is my point. It's like, can you deal with all this stuff? Wife's going to divorce me before I get cauliflower ears. You think you're hard as now? You think you're a fighter? But this is the point. The reason I say all this stuff is. You you see the surface level. You don't know what's gone into it. No. You don't need to know what's gone into it, but you need to not fucking give opinions like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is... That is the, yeah, I think that was, again, the difficult thing for me before having this, like, enlightenment was seeing that, oh, they could do it. They've done this. They've got this, and they've come out of nowhere, but they haven't come out of fucking nowhere. They've been working for fucking years on it. You just... Now you're noticing them. Or well, now they're getting the elevation that you know that the they've been working so hard for. Yeah, um, it, it was difficult for me. Like, just I think again, just seeing parental wealth at one point. They weren't wealthy, but then you know they're doing it right now. But it's seeing, relative, isn't it? It's relative. Yeah. But seeing that, I'm just like, I could do that. I can have that, and just like magic. Well done, you've got it. You're now fucking wealthy. But then what? That. Then what? Yeah. What does that what? mean? 
but that's the, and that's just it. Like I'm not, and I've said for you know a few years now, I'm not fussed about being wealthy. I just want to be comfortable and enjoying myself, and that's that's it. I've got my kids. I'm successful. I've got you know I've got a happy family in a house. I'm successful. You're successful. You know, full stop. Before you've done anything it. else, you're successful. I'm su- I'm successful, and I'm happy that I've done that. Just if I can enjoy my job a Pop bit more, that'd be nice. You know, that'd be nice. So they have to retire at seventy. So you know another. Jesus, another 33 years of doing this shit. Like, what a waste of time. Do you know what I mean? Um, but hey, well, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's happening with the podcast. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen with anything else. Yeah. And so yeah, I enjoy this. And what, it's like, what I, I really want to do when I can start really getting in the swing of it is going, taking it out. I really want to take it out and meet people out and about doing awesome shit rather than just sitting still all the time. You know, try to demonstrate some of the awesome shit people get up to. Um, that's the biggest thing with my podcast right now because as soon as this fight's over and won, over and won, not done with over and won, yeah, is doing more with the podcast, doing more with traveling, doing more with the gym visits, like yeah, some of the video projects, like the sparring stuff, like the gym trips, it's just fun because everything that I've done well with the podcast has been from my favorite thing, which is not thinking, just doing it. Yeah, it's literally like okay, what do we need? Okay, cool, let's do it. It's not oh, what happens if this? What people take the piss out? What if this? Like, I. The best thing I've done with this is not think about it. Yeah. If I sat there and thought about how it should look, how it should be, how it should be received, what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent, I wouldn't have started it. If you think about the amount of hours you put into anything versus the end result, you'd never really do anything because you think, fuck enough, I did all the hours I've put in for this training for the record I've got, for the amount of titles I haven't got yet, for the amount of medals I haven't got. You wouldn't even get in the gym. You wouldn't bother. Yeah. But I'd do it all again in a heartbeat. Yeah, see, like, I was very much the same with the the podcast. It, it's it's been a thing for me. Even again, the other things like a big big thing for me was the people not giving a shit, mm. but then accepting that a lot of most people won't give a shit. shit. But no, but but it's the thing is that most important people half the time, you know, your close friends and your and your relatives really might not give a shit. But that doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's for you. Somebody, yeah, it's for me. And hopefully, let's say for me, for what I do, hopefully for somebody else out there that resonates with parts of the stories that we that we share to say, I can relate to that. Okay. And they've, you know, they've managed to find a way to conquer that or to maintain, you know, a, a lifestyle beyond feeling that way. You know, um, I think like like with Kevin Hines, or he's, he said he spoke to many suicide survivors um and the majority well just about every single one of them says that they had that instant regret at the at the mm-hmm. point of which they tried to you know do it themselves yeah. yeah and that that for me is that, that how many people got to that point where they gone too far and instantly regretted it but it, they couldn't do anything about it you know and that's what i want sort of but this goes back to my original point, which is what you perceive it's going to do for you. What do yeah. you think in your darkest day that act is going to do for you? The answer normally is, I don't know. Switch the lights off, stop the feeling, stop this, stop that and the other. But it doesn't really do anything. It just yeah. passes it to other people. Yeah. You yeah. perceive them what, how it's going to deal with them. You wouldn't want to see them in that place. You wouldn't want them, not in the sense of suicide being a selfish thing. It's the opposite. It's so self you're so in this position where you just can't perceive anything else. Yeah. It's so dark and so narrow and so like empty. 
you can't physically perceive of other people. It's just this moment right now is so suffocating. I need to get out of it. But the idea of his act being able to relieve that is why people would then make that decision. Yeah. But the reason when you get that reaction of instant regret is because you don't really you realize that's not a solution because now you feel something else that panic that adrenaline kicks in like yeah. shit with your senses because this one we're coming to your senses because when you're in that hole you're not you're with your senses at all you're so far gone you're so far from your base from your reality it's this weird perceived world of better off without me yeah and then, and then you suddenly realize you are actually alive all them like you say all them emotions all them feelings all that adrenaline all that suddenly realize you are alive you know there you do have feeling you do have emotion you know and it is something that you, you can work on um yeah yeah it's a difficult thing to talk about i suppose but um very important but yeah to talk man, about as well. yeah and, and, and that's the thing i think like it, it is very important to talk about i didn't talk about the way i was until i was you know an adult i mean my parents never really realized i was like that um but in talking about it, I would say highlighted a lot of the perceptions I had of things and showing me the real truth of the things I was looking at, you know, um, some of the ways I was sort of judging certain scenarios weren't true, which you know, so I'm still really keen to get Kieran Downs on my fucking podcast. If you just return my emails, Jesus Christ. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you, Dan, who's the sort of the kid who was my best friend who punched me in the face, who instigated the whole not having friend, friends thing in secondary school. We were best mates. For whatever reason, he punched me in the face. Um, and just then all the fucking disaster happened because of that. But I'm, I'm at a point now, I need to know why. Do you know, like, was I doing something mm. for a period of time that was really fucking irritating, which is why he did it, that I don't remember. You know, I need to know now why. I've got no... I did have a lot of um, uh, context, really. But yeah, just I, yeah, I didn't. I, I held it against him for a long time. Every time, if I saw him out in the public, like mm, prick, um, I'm not going to talk to you ever again. But now I want to talk to him. I want to understand what was going on in his mind at the time, and if it was something that I missed, me being a complete dickhead, because it's possible. Uh, Stranger things have happened. Yeah, yeah, stranger things have happened. I've, ne I've, I've definitely never been a dickhead before in my entire Me life. Me neither. Um, but yeah, no, it'd be nice to talk to him just to go, let's put this under the bridge. I want you to know how you made me feel at the time. And I need to know, like, why was I being a dickhead? And please tell me. And if so, I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, dealing, dealing with your traumas, you know, that's it's a good way forward. Dealing You'll with face them. it head on as well, voluntarily. Otherwise, you just end up resentful and scared and... Yeah, it's a weird place. But whereas if you can take that sort of step to say, Do you know what, I feel bad about this. This makes me feel sick every time I think about it. But instead of just rinse and repeat with this, I'm going to face it, say to you, look in the eyes and say, what, what happened between us at this day, at this time? <laughs> Literally, it's like, this is something that's bothering me. Yeah. And I can't apologize. And whatever you need for me to apologize, whether I make up to you, let me know, we'll get it sorted. But yeah, let you know how it's made me feel. Yeah, and what else can you ask from that point? But thank you for your time, my friend. I need to shoot off. Really, yeah, no, I was going to say the same. Really. No, I appreciate you dropping in. Um, and we definitely, I'll have to come up to uh, to the gym at some point and have a roll around with you again. Come back again, yeah, for the next day, twenty four hour uh, roll. After if, after if, yeah, next twenty four hour roll, after your fight, I'll, uh, I'll I'll make it a mission to come up on a weekend or something to come say hello. Absolutely, more than a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for your time. All right, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your evening, mate. And I'll uh, speak to you soon. Yourself. Right, take care. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Bye.